72 years ago, in an article entitled On Living in an Atomic Age, C.S. Lewis responds to the threat of impending death and doom. In the end of the World War II era, he writes an article to encourage those that are being enslaved to fear, who are struggling with the thought of death or danger every day. And so his words, although not a perfect correlation to our present situation here on March 31st as I'm recording this and here sitting in my basement of my home because our church can't gather together again for another week as the coronavirus pandemic continues to spread around the globe. I want to switch out his words in this article. Replace atomic bomb with coronavirus. And although it's not the exact same situation that we find ourselves in and the atomic bomb has its origins from humans to try and destroy other people, I think it will make sense and be a timely word for each of us today. Lewis writes, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the coronavirus. How should we live in this pandemic? Well, I'm tempted to reply, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague would visit London almost every year, or as you would have lived in the Viking Age when the raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Let me read that one more time. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the coronavirus ever came. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. This is the first point that must be made and the first action to be taken. We must pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by this virus, then let that virus, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, like praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing our children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends, playing a game of darts, not huddled together as frightened sheep and thinking about viruses. Oh, they may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. They need not dominate our minds. I think that's a helpful word for us as we continue to press on through this time of home isolation. May we not be dominated in our minds by the things of this world and the fears and the anxieties of death. It reminds me of those very important words in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, you should turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. And at the very end of chapter 9, the writer of Hebrews makes an important comment that corresponds with what C.S. Lewis just wrote. He says, 
And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Let me read it one more time. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Brothers and sisters of Embassy Church and anyone else who might be popping on and listening to this message, remember that there is a day appointed for each of us to die, and then comes judgment. Those who will be judged righteously in the right with God are those who are saved, those who are eagerly waiting for him. So what are we going to be giving ourselves to during these weeks and months of the coronavirus? If the virus were to come to your home, what things will it find you doing and thinking? What will you be giving yourself to in those days? The first thing C.S. Lewis mentioned was praying. Friends, as a church family, we are encouraging all of you to be working on the discipline and practice of prayer. May prayer be the dominant thing of our mind, our heart, and our home. Jesus, as he's looking death in the face, wanted to pray. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, he says to his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. Stay awake with me. And then, going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. He said, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake, watch, and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again, And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See that my betrayer is at hand. What a gripping story about the life of Jesus. As he looks at death in the face, as Darkness and doom is right around the corner as it's hanging right over his head. He is very sorrowful. And what he gives his time and his energy, his heart and his mind to is prayer. He turns to the Father. He asks and he pleads with his disciples, watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
So what should we be giving our time to? What's dominating your mind? If Jesus Christ is still the king on the throne, the same king that's been on the throne during the past plagues throughout human history, the same king that's been on the throne with all the previous tragedies of this world, shouldn't we all be applying these words of C.S. Lewis? Let us not begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Even though it might be novel for us, since many of us have not gone through a situation like this, this is not novel in the history of the world, and it's not novel to the God who became man. He too had a day appointed for him to die. He too was staring death in the face. And he made it through those days and hours with prayer. The basic lesson I want to give to all of us from these passages of scripture and from this helpful essay from C.S. Lewis is, how do we pray? How do we get through these days in light of the impending death or doom that could be right around the corner? Well, it seems to me that it's with confidence. Confidence to trust that God is still on his throne and that we have no reason to be slaves of fear and anxiety or any worry. We can remember the words of Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me, to live is Christ. But to die, well, that's gain. To depart and be with Christ, well, that would be far better. This is one of the reasons why I think C.S. Lewis is right. Let's not over-exaggerate the uniqueness of this situation. Let's find the right balance of how many times we click on the news and we give ourselves to thoughts and attention and meditations on our present situation. I think it's probably unwise for us to neglect it altogether. It is something that we're addressing now in this message. It is something that is going to be on our minds. But my hope is that we will give ourselves to prayer. The spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak and our flesh is prone to over-exaggerate and overemphasize the present pains that we are going through. And I by no means want to minimize our present pains. But friends, make prayer the path, the middle road between those two extremes. May coming to the Father be the natural default response when anxiety or fear rises up in your heart, or you're reminded yet again of the impending doom and the spread of a virus, know that every day has already been planned. There is a day appointed for your death, and whether it was through a virus or a car accident or a brain aneurysm or a thousand other things that you have very little control over, Let's give ourselves to the things that you can control. Let's do and be doing whenever that day comes 
the very things that would honor and please God. Or let's be doing the things that Jesus was doing when he was facing his own death, the one appointed to him, the one predestined by the Father, as Acts chapter 2 makes plain. Let's be doing the things of our Savior and our Master. He gave himself to repeat it, not just once, but three times he prayed, and he tried to get others to pray. And it seems that's what I'm encouraging us all to do. That's what the elders of embassy would like this season to be. Let's pray like we've never prayed before and give our minds attention and our hearts focus to the Lord. Or as C.S. Lewis says, They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. May the coronavirus not dominate our minds. But a relationship with the Heavenly Father through the saving work of our intercessor, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray now. Our Heavenly Father, we want to come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. And on his behalf, because of his priestly, atoning, sacrificial work, we pray in the Spirit now. We pray and ask for you to open our eyes to the situation that we find ourselves in and realize that you are still in control, that you are still good, and help us to not overemphasize or overworry about the issues that are going on in our day. We want to pray, Father, that as a church family, we would be able to give ourselves to things that would advance the kingdom of God. We want to pray that Embassy Church would not only be a praying church in the season, but a serving, generous, thoughtful, not self-centered, narcissistic kind of community. Oh Lord, we're praying for your spirit to move and work mightily in and through us, and that we would be the city on a hill even as we're stuck in our homes. May there be such love that's displayed through this difficult and trying season. We pray that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, and that you would make much of our church family, not because we are so deserving, but because you, God, are gracious and you are worthy of praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.